morning. And you're listening to Jay Scott on The Hook Rock. everybody. This is Jay Scott. Once again, this is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening once again. As a quick reminder, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all great music podcasts that they have on their music platform. Decibel Geek, Hanging and Banging with Carmen Apice and Vinny Apice, as well as others. Great family to be a part of. You can find them at PantheonPodcast.com. Follow them at Pantheon Pods. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Hook Rocks and find us on Facebook as well under the same name. Follow us on any platform you do podcasts so you get the latest and greatest Hook Rocks podcast episodes. We just celebrated our 100th New Music Spotlight. We're very proud of that. We've been doing these episodes for a little over two years, almost two and a half years. We like to feature great bands, great emerging artists, and... We have another one for you today. It's a band that, or a representative of a band that I read about in late 2018, an article by Matt Wake. And the article was Other New Bands You Should Know Besides Greta Van Fleet. And it had Dirty Honey, Joyous Wolf, Dorothy, other bands. And there was this band called Classless Act, which I saw some live YouTube videos, and I've been waiting. For something to come out from them and I am excited that we are getting closer to that which we just had a new single from them released about a month and a half ago and I'd like to welcome in singer Derek Day what's going on how are you hello what's up everybody how you doing I'm so happy to be here that's a rock and roll hello how you doing today man (laughs) I'm doing all right I'm here in Los Angeles and uh yes you know the weather is terrible. I'm just kidding. No, it's actually really nice. Um, but no, I'm, I'm doing all right. And uh, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. This this show, I love this show. I got to be honest, I just was recently turned on by by my label and stuff. But man, you guys, like I loved, I love a lot of your episodes, a lot of the artists you guys have. So thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Uh, we always, or when we started this, you know, we have really three pillars of the podcast. It's music commentary, we do legacy interviews, and we do the new music spotlights. And really the motivation to start this podcast was to expose people to new bands, emerging bands, to get to know them, to have them introduce themselves to the rock audience. Because it is really hard and it can be very intimidating for people to find new rock. And because there really isn't the infrastructure that it used to be, you can find them on streaming platforms, but to really get out and promote new bands has always been something I wanted to do. And I've been wanting to have 
you on for a while. I know you really, you've done some solo stuff, but I'm glad you're here and to talk about you, to learn more about you and talk about Classless Act. Oh, thanks so much. Jay, you're doing the Lord's work, man. If you're trying to promote younger bands and up and coming good bands, or at least trying to be good bands, that's, I got to say, that's the way to do it. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. But we always start the same way every time we have a first time guest. And that is really what we're about. And just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock band has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, man. Okay. So I heard I heard about that, that you guys do that. And um, this always comes to mind. I was like, I was like, maybe like five or six years old. And I heard Layla, the electric version from Derek and the Dominoes, just the intro, the guitar riff. And like, and I didn't know what it was. Like, I had no idea what a musical instrument really was. I never comprehended it. So I've actually, in my head, I was like, that's a, like, that's what a violin is. Like, no, 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 no. I think he like doubled or tripled the guitar part. And, um, and it's just like, it was just something I immediately, I was like, I really want to do that some, for some reason. I just want to make that noise. So it had to be the recorded version of Layla, the electric. And where did it go from from there for you? When did it become something that you wanted to do, play music, be on stage, be in a band? Oh, that's another good one. I, um, I you know, here in, uh, there's a place here in uh, Santa Monica called the Third Street Promenade. And, um, and like you walk down, just a bunch of, like a bunch of street performers and you have to have a permit and all that, just like in Venice. And, um, uh, and like, I, I was also very young, just about the same age, if not younger, actually. And I noticed like, whoa, like these guys are like doing art stuff, like dancing and coloring and like, you know, playing music and people, are, they're making a lot of money. The ones that are doing it right, of course. And I thought like, that's really cool. Like, it looks like they're having a lot of fun, even though they're on the street and, you know, maybe, you know, you, who knows what they're going through or anything, but it looks like this is their one you know, kind of salvation, if anything, and they're getting paid for it. And I noticed that early on. And I was like, I think I could make money like doing this thing that I really want to do. So I think it was street performer. And like, and that's kind of what I did after that, like, for about 12 years, I was like, performing on the street and stuff and doing my own thing. What about other influences? What you know, when you talk about Eric Clapton and Layla, it's such an iconic song. What about other influences for you that really were your, you know, were cemented your path into rock and roll? Oh, man. You know, I would say it's going to be funny and it's not rock and roll, but it cemented my path in rock and roll. I have to say it's disco and like funk, like the off the wall album, Michael Jackson, like ABBA. Uh, you know, like Super Trooper, uh, Frick, uh, um, Casey and the Sunshine Band. All when I was like younger, this was all be just being played at my house, and of course, like the Beatles was being played around and stuff. Like, just thanks to my mom, you know, she would clean the house and like play this loud thing. And um, and I know it's not rock and roll, but there's so many elements of rock and roll in that, and there's like a lot of attitude in those songs, and it turned me into this like very attitude type person and loud kind of a being and sporadic, I think. So uh, it, it pushed me toward an instrument or it pushed me towards singing and stuff. And, 
And then, of course, when you start doing that, you notice that everything great, which is like Led Zeppelin and like Jimi Hendrix, like uh, like so much of the live Hendrix stuff, um, watching him, uh, Stones, of course. And and then there's some more like obscure kind of like, you know, you start jumping into like the weird disco punk fusion kind of things like the Buzzcocks or, or like, you know, you kind of go into like all these like cool little i don't know avenues i don't you know you know how the journey goes it goes everywhere for yeah. me it's everything yeah no it's interesting when i was growing up before i got into rock and roll um there were two things that were important to me one my father or my grandfather was a lounge piano player back in the days of the speakeasies in chicago so Whoa. he had a baby grand in his basement every time i'd stay over at my grandparents and i was like four or five years old I would wake up on a Saturday or Sunday morning of him playing the piano down in the basement. So that was like my first introduction to music. And then being in Chicago, the blues was very important um, in, in, in my youth and in hearing the music, watching the blues brothers was like an event, you know, when I was five, six years old. So yeah, before rock, there was some elements too. And then I had an older brother that started bringing Van Halen and journey and all these other bands into the house and then I was sold and I was done. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, they're just like re, um, Van Halen and journey. They're just like exploded. Like, I'm sorry. I can't think of any good words right now, but they're just like really tight, awesome space, outer space version of these really cool blues bands. That's yeah, what absolutely. You know, and I tell my son the same thing. He's 16. I'm like, every rock song you hear is basically a blues song, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's some elements that maybe, you know, kind of are on the fringe, but when when you take it to the core, it all stems from the blues. Of course. Every pop song we hear, like on Top 40 today, it's just blues. It's like a lot of it's 145 or just one or (laughs) it's just like crazy, you know, repetitive sort of things to get the message across. Blues is like the center of Western music or the start of jazz even. So, I mean, blues is the blues is the, the kicks. As far as your growth and as you continue on your journey of rock music, there's writing songs, there's writing music, there's writing lyrics. Was there a song that you heard that the lyrics inspired you to put pen to paper and write a song? Oh, man. Oh, man. That's that's a good question. I think actually. Hmm. Never, I've never really thought of that before. I, I would say like there's a lot of instrumental music or at least the instrumental sections of a lot of songs that um, made me want to like write musical things or hum things. And like, remember those, those humming things like, um, you know, they're like, uh, I love singing. Like I, I even started singing just through like guitar solos and like hearing these electric guitar. solos. I would just sing to that. And that's how I got my voice. And um uh, and then I think that kind of branched off into like, into just writing melodies, but yeah, I mean, I would hear like, you know, like, I mean, Guns N' Roses was a big influence and, um, uh, especially the use your illusion album, weirdly enough, uh, there's a lot of melody in that album and a lot of rhythm weirdly. So, uh, those stuff like that. And, Oh, you know what? Also like voodoo child. Cause it's just this big open slight return by Jimi hendrix it's this big open like 
just like there's all these crazy like twists and turns and it made me kind of it kind of pushed a lot out of me and I really like started kind of I love the lyrics too like it just made me want to like say something really cool because that's what that song is it's like I'm gonna he's just saying like the coolest thing ever and he's repeating it and then he says something else really cool in the next verse and then he repeats it I'm like I want to do that I want to like say something really cool and then play something to prove it you know freaking voodoo child that's the one as far as writing goes and as you you know present day now where do you find you know your motivation to write is it through personal experience are you trying to say something are you telling a story is it through observation oh jay it's everything you know it's all of that it's it's that and even more like in fact I think it's so based on personal experience uh, and I'm, I'm kind of actually, I had a departure from that and I, now I'm going back into it. Um, but like everything is personal and a lot of it, believe it or not, is very political. And, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but you'll hear it, you know, on the rest of the album, you'll hear a little bit more of that kind of side of things, politics and social kind of commentary. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's very much, um, yeah, it's, it's it's about everything, and it's very observational. And I'm even trying to do more conceptual things, just like from you know what I read or hear from podcasts and stuff. If you know, like I'm a big, I love outer space and like Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I like hearing about like things like that and like what they how they describe the universe. And um, I try to like write a story around that or try to write something to that concept, you know, what infinity means, what a number really is, what really large numbers are. And like, how does that relate to me being in love with you? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, right. There's no rules to writing. You could just like, I don't know, twist a stick in the mud and like, it's a song, you know, I don't know. Is there one particular area where you write, where you're most comfortable, where you get the most satisfaction as being an artist? Do you mean like conceptually or like physically? Conceptually, yeah. Like in the motivation that we talked about, personal stuff, storytelling, you know, observational. Is there, is there you know, when you're writing and you're an artist or being an artist, where do you find your most comfort? Where do you find your most satisfaction as an artist? I got to say, and it sounds kind of cliche, but I, I really like, like, I don't, I don't know if it sounds cliche, but I, lo- I like the political kind of thing or social commentary. And when I get a little, like, you know, a little more, like, not necessarily aggressive, but like, at least with my message, get a little more, um, you know, like, just on point with what I'm trying to say. Um I'm a like huge Rage Against the Machine fan and like all those guys in the sixties, they were saying something about what's going on. And I have a, I just connect with it so much because it also involves tons of research on my end. Like I won't write something on paper unless I really believe it. And that involves maybe reading like an entire book, you know, and before even starting to write the song and, or like reading, like watching documentaries on like for hours on end. And I love that part of the process. It's a lot of work, but it's so enriching. And I feel like I really prosper in that because I feel like I'm learning and creating simultaneously. It's also, you know, very important for you to have a voice as well. Uh, I recently interviewed D Snyder and he has a new album out that is, it's full of social commentary. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, he likes to say that, or he does say that, you know, he speaks for the people that don't necessarily have a voice or that he uses his platform for that. Um, and I also, you know, if you look at the history of rock music, rock music has always been at the center of the social conscious of what has been happening in reality. You look at the 60s and the counterculture movement throughout the 70s and maybe the 80s kind of took it took a back seat more. But as the grunge scene rose with Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, you know, that seemed to be more of an element that people wanted to sing about. You mentioned Rage Against the Machine. So, you know, when people try to distance themselves from listening to bands with social commentary or rock bands, rock is based on that. It's one of the pillars of rock and roll. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, rock and roll was just a big, uh, we got to get away from all this like folk stuff. <laughs> and it was a cry for help, if anything. As far as the band goes, uh, we'll get into more stuff, you know, as far as the direction of the current music with Classless Act. But as far as the band goes, I mentioned that article I read by Matt Wake a few years ago. And it seemed like every band on that list was putting out music. What was the reason that Classless Act really didn't put out new music up until now or, or in, in the near future? You know, it's weird. Like we, um, that's a great question, Jay, uh, because it's, it kind of describes the history of the band. You're probably going to get a lot of answers from this answer. Um, uh, but I'll try to keep it minimal. We're just, we've, First of all, everyone in the band comes like we all come from different walks of life, all five of us. Like we're just from different areas. And like we just somehow came together and it was really weird like how that happened. And um and we also like had different members. We were kind of filtering through different members and different people, uh all amicably uh, amicably as as it could be, of course. Um but like, you know, just things didn't really work out and there's a huge there's constant evolution even right now we're just like we write like this today but tomorrow it's going to be like this so i feel like we're just this unstable molecular kind of ball of energy that doesn't know like that knows what it loves and what it wants to do but we're just constantly producing different things so a few months ago we would have written like a like you know something borderline like queen rock opera album whereas right before that we would have written like an appetite for destruction album which is right before that we would have written like a really cool like disco album funny enough like it jumps around so i think we're really just waiting to like solidify our members first of all and then also like everyone like we just sit down with each other and like try to find a really really common ground we all relate to each other very much and we love each other we're just brothers but we're just so like different and like so we're just trying to like hone that in and then we finally did record like a pretty decent like all right this is kind of like a mix of all of us and it's nothing too complicated just yet we'll save the the opuses and the rock operas for our 10th album (laughs) or something and um we we literally for the last two or three years that we've been a band we're just we've been sitting on like 50 demos and all of it goes very progressive. It sounds, some of it goes to like Radiohead. Some of it goes to like, you know, like I said, like some disco stuff, some goes to Zeppelin and it's like crazy everywhere. So we had to like, you know, a label won't sign you if you're everywhere, you know, and we needed to get signed and we needed to like have a direction. 
So we we sat down some with a couple of writers too, and we're like, let's just hone in a sound and then and then go and run from there. How has the addition of Griffin Tucker been and and helping you formulate that sound? I've had Griffin on the show in the past. Very talented musician, very talented artist. How, how what, what does he add to Classless Act? Oh man, Griffin, that guy is crazy <laughs> in the best way. He's like, uh, I mean, he's he's what the band really needed, and he was like really like the the fifth puzzle piece. And um, I mean, uh, like other than a lot of really great ideas and a lot of um, you know, of course, his his work ethic is incredible and his playing is incredible on multiple instruments. Um, you know, I would say his vibe overall too, just is very inspirational and it pushes everyone in the band and it, and it, and it makes us all like want to like kind of write more to, uh, maybe like what we all, like what we recorded, like just something more true to this rock and roll kind of vibe and feel. I mean, he's just incredible all around and he's very like, you know, very lovely, like as a human. So I don't know. I, all I can say is he's he's the vibe. He's the right vibe. And I can't wait to, like, you know, do more with Griffin. You know, a, a, as the band was evolving and, and different members were leaving, other members were coming in. Were, was there ever a sense of frustration on your part um, that, you know, things kind of stalled? Maybe stalled is not the right word, but, you know, you weren't evolving to the point where you could put music out as these other bands were. Oh God. If you mentioned that to our guy, Franco on bass, uh, he would, he would t- write a novel on how frustrating that was. And me too. Like I would write a magazine. Maybe I'm more picture guy, <laughs> but no, but like, man, it was frustrating. Oh my God. And like, you know, when you have the wrong members too, you write songs and like the wrong members really don't like it. And you're just going back and forth and you're just like, it, nothing ever happens. And and miscommunication happens often. So like going through so many members and like, you know, before solidifying who we were as classless, it was very frustrating. And we, and again, like I mentioned earlier, we were sitting on like 50 demos. We have like really like Franco, who I mentioned just now, he's an incredible producer and he's from Argentina and he's, and he's a genius and he plays L many instruments very well as well. And so he recorded a lot of these demos that sound really up to par like you hear them and you're like damn it i wish i could just release this this is ready like this sounds awesome and um and we just couldn't you just couldn't because you don't want to you don't want to let the horse out of the stall too early you know what i mean jay well i mean you did mention use your illusion was one of your earliest influences and you definitely have the material to have a part one and part two of the album that you're going to release hmm that's true. Yeah. We even have enough for a Chinese democracy. <laughs> you might, you might. I mean, it did, that did take 17 years. So uh, I don't know if you want to wait that long, but you know, as, a fan, <laughs> as a fan though, you know, hearing your music and, and, you know, the only way you really could find your music was there were clips on YouTube. It sounded fantastic. And there was a magic there with the songs. And even when you hear the new song, you know, that was released, give it to me. Um, there's magic there. There's, there's, there's something happening, that, you know, between you guys as musicians, as a band, the synergy of the band that is special. And, 
you know, to finally be knocking at the door of, of a debut release from you guys is very exciting for someone like myself and others that have been waiting for the material. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Thank you, man. That's incredible. So you liked it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, you're on this show because I liked it. That's the, <laughs> you know, um, absolutely. It sounds great. I can't wait for more. And that leads me to the, you know, my next question. What is next for you guys? Oh, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> we have a lot under, under our hats. Um, uh, oh, I had a really good pun, but I can't say it because it'll give it away. Um, but anyway, here, here's the, uh, we recorded the entire album. I just want everyone to know this. Like we recorded it with, uh, Joe Ciccarelli, who's done, who's produced Morrissey and he's recorded with like, um, Jack White and several of Jack's bands and, and, you know, Alanis Morissette and the list goes on and on and on. And the other half of the album was recorded with Bob Rock who did, of course, Metallica, Michael Buble, Motley Crue, you name it, um, Loverboy, all these incredible bands. And like, uh, so we have this album and we're just, you know, of course, we want to put it out at the right time. And we're going to put it out in the next year, of course, before our tour. We're going on tour. I'm sure you might have heard that we're going on tour with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison and Joan Jett. And um, and yeah, so you'll hear that whole thing by June, you know, and and it's really, I think it's quite eclectic as a, of an album. So, you know, but, but it's cohesive enough. But like I said, there's there's different political kind of stances. There's social commentary. There's a lot of interpersonal, emotional relationship type songs, and like you get to learn about who the band is and what who we what we love and what we where we've won and where we've lost and. Um, and I don't know if that answers the question, but we definitely have a, a release coming before the end of the year. You could count on that. You could bet your bottom dollar, Jay. A, a single or a full length album? Full length? No, a uh, single. Single. Okay. Okay. How? Here, here's a, a question for you. This album's been recorded. It's been done, and you know you have you're going to release it in 2022, which I think because there's been so much music coming out this year, I think it's actually smart for some bands to put it to wait. So you don't get lost with all this great music coming out in 2021. Um, so I, I think for a new band, I, I think it's advantageous in some regard to do that. But my question is on, on the music, how do you stay connected with something and then wait and keep staying connected, keep staying in front of it? How do you do that? Ooh, you know, that's actually kind of a, that's a question I asked. That, that's a, that's a question we ask ourselves, honestly. I mean, um, there's so much like we like, it's, it's even hard to like write new music right now, at least for me as a singer and songwriter, I kind of want to like wait a second before things are released. Cause you, that's why it's called a release. If anything, you kind of release it from yourself so you can move on. And, um, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a matter of just playing the songs live a lot. And we do have, even now in a pandemic, we do play a lot of little shows around town and we go out into like, like we have a show in La Jolla, which is right near San Diego um, uh, in a couple weeks, you know, and uh, you guys can find that on, on our website. So like we go out, we play these songs and we play it our own way and we play it like, and you know and we have fun with it so actually if you guys want to hear the album come see us live you'll you'll hear it 
before it's out. Um, uh, and maybe my label is going to kick my ass for saying that, but I, you know, I'm just saying we need to sell tickets. No, but, uh, but no, yeah, it's just playing it live. I would say that's this, the very short version, uh, short answer of that very long journey. You guys recorded this during the pandemic. How, you know, how did you stay focused during or making a record when people are dealing with COVID, people are dealing with protests all over the country, you're dealing with a toxic election? You mentioned earlier in the interview that there's a lot of social commentary on on the album. Is that because of what was happening? Is that because you know, you felt that inspiration to say something through song on the, on the new material? Absolutely. Yeah. All, all of the craziness is fuel. And as many, a lot, a lot of writers and creators will tell you, like they have to live in despair and um, in order to write something really meaningful. So uh, the, you know, as, as terrible as the pandemic still is and 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 is all you know with what all the protests and everything going on is really terrible but actually served artists something pretty well it is i mean i mean that's a very interesting take because sometimes through darkness comes beauty and you know when you're dealing with all these things and you're watching the news or you're living your life we're not living the same life that we were used to we're living a different life and we're getting used to all these changes and all these things and all these things that we are trying to find answers to. And as an artist, as yourself, someone that likes to create, did you find having that ability to create throughout this turmoil, throughout these times, something that saved you, something that was therapeutic for you? Absolutely. But at sometimes it's like, oh man, like I don't even want, like you get so sad, you get so bummed out, you don't even want to pick up the pen and stuff. But like, that's what, you know, having a band really comes in handy and having, you know, uh, wow, well, you go like co workers to a sense, because you have to kind of like call them and say, hey, let's schedule a meeting to write a song. You kind of make yourself do it. So it was really, yeah. So like, it was a little bit of both. Like it was very, ther- it was a very reluctant therapy and we, ne- we didn't even realize it. We were like, Oh, I don't want to. And it's hot and it's, and a lot of terrible things are going on. And I don't like, I don't want to get it like, Oh, there's so much this, but we have to, and that's our job. And then we realized it. It was the one thing we needed. Writing about that stuff. You've got to relive it every time you sing it, every time you're, you know, you perform it every, when you're working out the song that artists do, was that difficult for you? Like you mentioned, like, you know, you know, all this stuff is having happening, all this craziness. And it, it comes to a point where sometimes you're like, man, what else is going to happen? But then you've got these songs that you're, that you're writing about and you're, you're reliving it each time. How difficult was it? Was it difficult for you? How was it easy for you to do that? You mean to like perform it like over and over again kind of perform thing? it or even when you're writing it and you're working it out and you're and you're working on the arrangements and you're writing the lyrics and then you're playing it for your bandmates and then you're recording it you know that that something that is staying with you and does it make it more difficult for you to have a different perspective or move on or how, how does that how do you how do you wrap your arms around that well that's a there's a lot to that um you know like i totally all, all these songs 
but everyone in the band I mentioned earlier, we don't want to put it down on paper unless we really, really mean it. And like, and we've written some songs where it's like, Oh yeah, party and this and that. And we just don't want to do that. Like we don't want mean that really. I mean, we do, but not really in the, in a sense of where we are, but like, so perspective doesn't really change. I don't think so. Like ever really with our songs, we, we, we write a concept and this is it. And this is what we mean. And, um, and I feel like that, like every time we've performed it or practice it, I feel the same way as I did. And it just brings me back to that day when we recorded it and stuff. Um, the only difficulty was making sure it comes out just right and just perfect. And like, because you really want to serve that hard work and those hours of making the song and all those tears and all that, like, uh, like terrible, like sleepless nights of writing a song. Uh, you want to make sure you do it justice. And that, that was the only complicated thing performing them and singing it over and over again is that's the most therapeutic thing ever. I mean, it just, it brings you back in time. It, it you, there've been a few times in our shows where like I cry at the end of certain songs. Cause it, it just like, I, the lyrics just come out. Like it, I just feel it. So, um, but yeah, just recording it and making it right. That was a bit of a, you know, we had, that was a, at least um, a feat we had to really uh, diff work. I don't know what the word is there, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the perspective comes from the lyrics, the vibe comes from the music. And if you can merge those two together in a seamless way, then the listener finds the emotion. The artist finds the emotion in the song. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there a sense for you with this music? You know, you have your solo career too, as well. Now, you know, Classes Act is, like I said, right on the doorstep to releasing the debut album. Is there a sense that it's finally happening or is it, or is your way of thinking, what's the next step? What's after this? What do we have to do after this? Is there, is there a sense of breathing now that this is accomplished? Um, after, like, after we recorded this album? Well, after we recorded it, now it's going to be released. Yeah. And like, oh my God, of course. I mean, there's so many, like, you know, in a lot of these demos, these were, um, that weren't, that are not in the album. We've been like, there was a lot of fighting to have them on the album. Uh, you know, and like, we really, really, like the boys will tell you, there's some of their favorite songs didn't make the album. And so there's a huge sense of like, we need to get this out and we need to like put it out, maybe fix it up a little, but really like, you know, and that's some of the more eclectic stuff. So we really have more message. Well, Derek, it's been a blast chatting with you. I could go on and we could talk for, God, another hour because there's so much to get to. But we'll save that for next time. Yeah, my God. Jay, this has been like my favorite interview ever. I'm not even kidding. This is amazing. Like, I, I love this. It really has been a blast. And I, I wish to come back. Absolutely. When the album comes out, you will definitely come back on. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, everybody. That's Derek Day from Classless Act. You can check out the new single, Give It To Me, on all streaming services. Check out their website, classlessact.com. You can find all their live stream information on that website. And follow them on Twitter at Classless Act LA. You can find their links to all their websites where you can find them on social media. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 